Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss Scream. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James, and we're going to do Scream. We just saw this last night in theaters, opening night on Thursday. And, you know, we're going to open up spoiler-free. We'll do a spoiler-free review, but then we'll get into spoilers and stuff like that about halfway through. We'll yeah. give you a warning. Yeah, and this film, it seems like it was made and designed for, like, super fans of the Scream franchise. Not just the original, because I think everybody universally loves the original Scream movie. It's one of my favorite horror films. But I'm, I mean, we've said it on the podcast, we're not big fans of the sequels and a couple of the sequels. I like the second one. Yeah, but a few of them are just like not very good at all. So, but I think that this movie was really specifically made for people who really love the entire franchise, it seemed like. Yeah, I guess. And it, it just, you know, I, I, I rarely tell people not to see a movie in theaters, but I would recommend, you know, staying home and watching the original screen because I was pretty disappointed. You know, we, we've been saying by watching the trailer that. We, our expectations weren't going to be that high. It looks like it could be not that great, you know? And then um, the reviews came out when the embargo got lifted Thursday morning, and it was 77% of Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, oh, wait, hold the phone, Anthony. I'm actually excited to go check this out now. You know, we, we had the tickets the night before. I'm like, let's go. I'm, I'm excited for – I'm even more excited for Scream. Let's, can't wait. It's my favorite slasher film of all time. Yeah, I don't think any of the sequels have fresh ratings. And, um, you know, within 15 minutes, me and Anthony – I nudged Anthony in the shoulder. I'm like, this is really bad. <laughs> This is this is really there, bad. There were a couple of times where we looked at each other and we were cracking up because you know, like it delivers what you want in a screen movie in terms of it has some really great gore, some really cool, brutal, gnarly kills. Um, obviously, you know the mystery of who the killer is within the friend group and in a bit of a meta esque approach, just like all the other screams. But for this one. Just like a few of the other sequels, I think that it just was not re- – it didn't work on the page. Yeah, so it was directed by Matt Bellini, Olpin, and Tyler Gillette, who made Ready or Not, which is an awesome horror film that came out in 2019. Is that Blumhouse or is it A24? I can't remember. Blumhouse. So that movie I liked a lot. So I was honestly surprised had – like the directing's fine in this movie, but the screenplay – is the weakness of this screen movie is written by James Vanderbilt, Guy Busick, and Kevin Williamson, who created the characters. And – like the directing's fine. The young cast is just like, I don't, they were okay. There, I think the girl who plays the lead, she's the girl in the opening. Uh, Jenna Ortega. Attack. Jenna Ortega. She was really great. She's I think she was the best actor in the entire thing. That's she's, what you, yeah. she's the she's the best actor of the entire film by far. Better than the the yeah. older actors and yeah. the legacy characters. And so she was terrific. But I think the rest of the young cast, maybe one or two, were solid. But a lot of them, I I didn't see them having the acting chops in this film. Yeah, and a couple of them, they just lacked um, really emoting. Like when you have scenes, when they're sharing scenes with like, um, not just Jenna Ortega who plays the youngest, um, the younger sister, but the older characters like Sydney and Courtney Cox. Like they're not the most amazing actors ever, um, um, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox, but they're very good actors. Like they never like won awards or anything, but they're always they always get the job done. But when you see these veteran actors in scenes with the younger actors, you can really see like the veterans can really emote and can really perform well. And these younger castmates, like they seemed very you know dead eyed. They didn't seem very emotive in terms of their acting prowess and capabilities and i'm not that that doesn't mean that young actors aren't good there are so many great young actors i think that this younger cast just didn't wasn't there for me for the performance wise i also think that you know 
the the script was you can only do so much with a a pretty bad script and pretty bad dialogue. You know, we talk about it all the time. Like when we did the Star Wars trilogy, the prequels. You know, Revenge of the Sith is a great movie, but that dialogue yeah. can be tr- so hard to get through sometimes. Watching Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, who's and Natalie's one of the greatest actresses of all time, and even her reading that dialogue, you're like, oh, this is cringe, <laughs> pretty cringe. So yeah. a lot of the dialogue in this new Scream movie. I felt like I was watching a soap opera. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, pretty cringe, and and it, it seemed like they didn't really care, you know, in terms of the script. They're just like, we need them to just make a new Scream movie. And when you brought up the meta thing, that's one of the funnest parts about Scream is the meta quality of it and how they're they're always playing with the fact that like it's horror movie rules in this real life situation that it's like oh it's like a horror movie. But this movie, obviously, like all the other Scream movies, is very meta as well. But it's too meta, and I think it's meta to a fault. It's it's the over the top with the meta references, and it's such a carbon copy of the first one, which they think that like oh it's meta because it's the exact same storyline kind of in plot. We're going back to Wardsboro, back to the same houses and everything, bringing the legacy characters back. But it's overwhelming with the meta, and it it, it was just way too over the top. Like you have a character like Jamie Kennedy's um, niece is like just like him. Like the exact same, same character, clothing and same, same color outfits and stuff. same scenes and uh, oftentimes with a few of the other characters, it was just so resembling the original Scream. And I understand that's what their approach was, but it just didn't. I don't think it worked. And at they're all. even talking about it. Obviously, it's just like when Randy gives the rules in Scream. But that's really fun. That's great. That's yeah. that's one of the best. That's why I wish they never killed Randy off because yeah. Randy was maybe my favorite character. His presence is still felt in this movie. Exactly. Like when you, they show photos of him, um, and there's like a mantelpiece dedicated to him. It's like, well, he was the best character in this entire series. Yeah, we're not spoiling anything. This stuff's in the trailers. Like yeah. everyone knows. Like the it, all you have to do is. Look Look up the, the names of the characters, and you know the relation between them. And um, so I figure maybe get into spoiler territory now. Sure. So yeah, we're about we're like five six minutes in. So if you haven't seen Scream yet and you don't want to hear spoilers, my review I I probably give this like three out of ten honestly, which is too bad because I I adore Scream so much and I had high hopes for this going in, and I was just really let down. Yeah, but I think that if you're a super fan, like a super fan of the entire franchise, you'll like this yeah, movie. Yeah. But for us, just I, it just wasn't there. Yeah. And you, and you know, personally, it wasn't very scary. You know, I love going into movies to be terrified at the theater. Yeah, you're I, a squirmer. You're I, a seat squirmer. I, I do squirm. I cover my mouth. I'm terrified all the time when I watch horror movies in theaters. I didn't get scared once, honestly. Yeah, and the jump scares were just they didn't work, and it was just there were so many of them, more than ever. And you knew where they were coming. Yeah, it was and, so predictable. And it was very meta where they were like it, they were setting up like a possible jump scare with like a door opening or a cabinet opening, and it was funny the first couple of times, but they did it like ten times where like a a person would open a fridge door. And the music builds up, and then they close the door, and no one's there. It happened repeatedly, and it got to the point where it was like, okay, we get it. And then there was also like five or six times where in the background there was um, set design that made it look like it could have been Ghostface there. Like like whether it be like a jacket with like a little white hat on top of it yeah. that kind of looked like the shape of Ghostface. You saw many of those in the film, and it got to be got to the point where it's like, okay, we're, we know you're making fun of the jump scares and, you know, the ghost face just popping up. But, like, this is getting a little too much. All right, let's head into spoiler territory officially now. So if you haven't seen it, this is your warning. Um, ghost face presence in this movie is so underwhelming. You know, that's the best part of the Scream franchise is ghost face. And I never felt ghost face was a threat at all in this movie, really. It's because 
Ghostface, we always we've made fun of how he's so bad at killing people the first yeah. swipe and the first stab. But every time Ghostface attacked any character in this movie, they immediately blocked his knife with their hands on the forearm. It's like this is it's really unrealistic to yeah. like if someone's going to come for a stabbing motion onto you, most people are not going to be able to have self defense. Awareness. Awareness to be able to block a fast knife coming at you like that. Like, every single character who gets attacked blocks the first knife stab with both their hands. And every character with their first fight with stab, with with Ghostface, it's like the holding the knife against their face. Like, oh, I can beat you too. Every every attack. It was way too many times. Not even kidding. Every attack. the, 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 The attacks were very underwhelming. There were a couple good deaths. But, I mean, ultimately, I like, they never really captured that fear of, like, you know, the Wes Craven kills in the first one, they're grisly and they can be really terrifying. Like, the Drew Barrymore kill, it's still one of the best movie deaths of all time, and it's so terrifying. I think Wes Craven was just a master at building suspense and portraying a scene like that where I think it's these filmmakers, even though they can be talented, they don't have the prowess of directing that he had. I do like how they, you know, brought in references to modern horror films. They brought up, like, It Follows, Hereditary, Hereditary yeah. The Babadook, which they didn't pronounce twice in the film. I know we <laughs> didn't pronounce correctly. names a lot, but, yeah. like, it's called it's pronounced The Babadook. So, yeah. And they give it a lot of praise in the film, but it's like, you might want to check the pronunciation <laughs> on it before you start praising it so much. Jordan Peele got a shout-out. So I like how they, you know, it's a new, fresh take, I guess, on Scream is what they're calling it, even though it's meta. Like, oh, it's a, they're making fun of it at the same time, but it doesn't work very well. But I like how they paid homage to new films. But the thing with that, they kept saying it was like this new thing called elevated horror on top of Slasher, but like... Elevated horror happened before Slasher. Yeah. You know, things like Rosemary Baby, Rosemary's Baby, those kinds of horror films like Diabolique and, you know, Psycho. These were Suspiria, ele- even. Yeah, Suspiria. Elevated horror happened before the Slasher. For films. decades. Yeah. So it's, they're making it seem like elevated horror never it's existed. New. Exactly. And every horror movie before 2018 <laughs> was just, ah, Psycho with knives stabbing yeah. people. Yeah. There's been There's always horror been, films yeah. like that. And it's it, that was kind of silly. Yeah. That definitely took me out of it. I was like, what is she? I mean, what's this character talking about? There's been so many great non-slasher horror movies. The best ones are non-slasher yeah, so sometimes. She, again, Ortega was so great in the, in the opening. She's the best actress overall. She could cry on command and yeah. easily. But I think this movie spent so much time, too much time in hospitals. Like, it's kind of like <laughs> Halloween kills. Yeah, yeah Half you're the right. movie is in a hospital room, in a hospital bed. I'm like, can we leave the goddamn hospital? And there's so many things that were just implausible. Like, it's like a bunch of high schoolers playing pool at a bar, at a dive bar. Like a real bar. Yeah, and then like... um and they're, like, pouring whiskey into their own drinks and, like, no one's noticing. And then um, one of the characters' moms get his, – his mom gets killed outside in the yard. And it, it takes, like – Broad an daylight. Hour, yeah, broad daylight. It takes an hour for him to see it. And, like, this lady's, like, bloodied on her front lawn in a crowded in – a, in a neighborhood. No one drove by and saw a dead body on the ground for, like, at least an hour because she's killed while he's in the shower. Well, it's not, like, an hour, but well, several they, minutes. He gets changed and his hair's dry. And he sets the table. He sets the table. It's like nobody walked past or drove past this lady on the ground dead. Is, are you yeah. kidding me? Overall, I don't think Wes Anderson would have really enjoyed this film. I think, like, they, they gave – they paid homage to him saying for Wes and everything like that. And they even named a character off after Wes Craven. So – Wes is the the kid who's kind of like the mama's boy, you could say, because he has his hair dyed blonde. Oh, yeah, you yeah. assume to probably because he looks up to his mother so much subconsciously, maybe he doesn't realize it. That's why I think that's why his hair's blonde in the film, and he dyes it. And he was actually a pretty interesting character. He reminded me a lot of like Randy in the first film, where he's like the most innocent one. Like he can't get a girl. They make fun of him a lot. He's mm-hmm. kind of like a loner, you could say. 
and then they kill him off. He's also, I think, the most famous actor. They kill, yeah. they, they name a character after Wes Craven, and they kill him off. It's kind of like, it's kind of a shitty way to homage it. Yeah, especially because right the scene right before he dies, they made it seem like he was a prime suspect. Yeah. And so they eliminated him as a suspect immediately. And also, like, I just, I love, I a part of the Scream tradition is you need to have the mystery about who the killer is, but... I think that, like, they spent so much time, like, oh, you're the killer, you're the killer, you're the killer. Like a whodunit. Yeah, and it was, like, they spent more time, like, accusing each other than actually, like, having a story unfold that was uh, interesting or, you know, engrossing at all. And also, like, back to the unplausibility of it all, like, there's a scene when um, Jenna Ortega's character, hold on, uh, Tara, um, Sam's sister, um, is alone in the hospital, and then Sam and her boyfriend are driving to the ho- uh, Sam and Dewey are driving to the hospital to save her because they know Ghostface is after her. And this hospital, it's a big hospital, but for some reason, nobody is there at all. I and think it's because, Tara's alone. I think it's because remember they said if if you want, we can get you a private floor. A private floor? Yeah, they okay. say that in the film. I think that's what that's why they can empty it out. But that doesn't. I mean, they keep so thing like so that happens. Why would you want to be in a private area if there's a killer after you? And then also they they, they go to the party and kick everyone out of the party. You think that a crowded room would be the safest place? If if you're if there's a killer after you, surround yourself with twenty people, and the killer's not going to try and kill you in front of all these people. Well, the person who kicks the people out is yeah, yeah. I know, but like, I'm just talking about the other characters going along with it. Like, know, yeah, no yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. It's, I was just like, it's just it got a little silly. I mean, all the screen movies are like this except for the first one. There are parts to nitpick, but I think you know this is for me. I, I'd put it number three or four on the list of screen films, and the number one thing I think that bugged me the most is every all, all the characters in this film. Literally, all the main characters either get stabbed horribly in the stomach or shot in the stomach. Somehow, they can all stand up and walk around and fight, and they have no issues with it at all. And I was just like, like, Sam gets stabbed, and then he twists the knife in her. You're dead. Yeah. Like, you're going to bleed out probably. And, like, he ca- and he just destroyed your oblique, so you shouldn't be able to stand up. Like, you know, I ha- I can't even stand up when I have, like, a stomach pain. And I'm just, <laughs> like, let alone you get stabbed and the knife gets twisted for several seconds. Like, sh- And then Gail gets shot in the stomach. And Keep in mind, this is a 7-inch knife. It's huge. It's gigantic. And then Gail gets shot in the stomach, and she's running around like no problem. Sydney gets stabbed and, st- and twisted in the stomach. She's running around fighting no problem. Everyone gets stabbed in the stomach, and they <laughs> could, it's like it's like a like a bruise. It's yeah. cr- I'm like, how is anyone not? How is no one on the ground screaming and writhing in pain? The only person who reacted naturally and believably to their injury was the football jock who got stabbed in the leg, and then he was limping, running away from Ghostface. That was uh, the only realistic injury in the I, movie. I think that the screenwriters and filmmakers should like. Interview someone who's been stabbed in the stomach to see what it's really like. Because I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty hard to walk yeah. and stand up straight. Because you know it happens here and there in the Scream franchise. But at least like the characters, like like even like when Stu gets stabbed in the first one, he's like, oh, Bill, who is who is he? He, he can't even stand up. That's yeah. pretty accurate. Sydney, at the climax of Scream One, Sydney is like she gets it the job done, but she's hurt. Yeah, you know, she's limping the whole time, and you can tell she's in pain and barely getting by. Oh, wait, actually, my my biggest con with this movie. All right, ready? Sorry, that's uh, my alarm to call my mother because it's called Mom Day. Hey, ma. Uh, <laughs> so my biggest con with the Scream movie was so. The villain, obviously, we is going to be the two friends. So it's Sam's boyfriend, and then I can't remember the other girl's name. Amber. Amber. And then, but also Sam is, obviously, they have to relate it somehow towards Burrow and the original killers. Sam is the bastard daughter 
of Billy Loomis because when apparently when Billy Loomis was dating Sydney, he was also sleeping with somebody else and she got pregnant and um and then Sam read her parents' diaries when she was thirteen and found out that Billy Loomis was the actual father. I, I guess that's a way to connect it. It mm-hmm. kind of doesn't make any sense because I, I always yeah. assumed that Billy was a virgin. Just like Sydney, even though they never said no, it. No, I, I didn't assume that he was a virgin. I just assumed that he was obsessed with sleeping her, with her be, to make her not a virgin. To anymore. kill her, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, okay, maybe Billy's role. not a virgin. Like I said, they never say it. Ex- he, like he's, so, he's so thirsty, he can't be a virgin. Yeah, you, yeah, you're probably right. But also a thirsty boy, like <laughs> a teenage boy. I'm sure everyone knows <laughs> it's an issue. <laughs> so, um... So she's the, you know, she's the, the, the son. Oh, we got to light down. She's the son of Billy Loomis. <laughs> sorry, I'm knocking things over on the set. So she's the, I'm sorry, she's the daughter of Billy Loomis that Billy never knew he had before he died. And then she's worried. Sam, like, leaves town. She abandons her sister because when she finds out this she's— This is in the past. She's yeah. worried that she's going to become a serial killer like Billy Loomis. And then she sees the, she sees the ghost of Billy Loomis— Everywhere, like the bloodied version of Billy Loomis, who she's never met. Yeah, she probably has only seen a photo of Billy Loomis, but she sees Billy Loomis everywhere, and she's worried that she's going to become a serial killer like Billy Loomis. Serial killers are not born; they are made and shaped. Billy Loomis became a serial killer because of what happened to him in his life, not because he was born a serial killer. He—that's why he became the serial killer—is because Sydney's mother sleeping with his father and leaving his family created him, be, made him become a serial killer. Yeah, it's, serial killer is not a gene. <laughs> I couldn't. Not, I was watching. Like, down. I'm like, he's not a genetic serial killer. He's it's because of what happened to him. That's yeah. why he became a serial, serial killer. Serial killers are shaped by their environment. Um, what is it like? 99 percent of the time, it's sexual abuse as children, something like yeah. that. And obviously, he was probably a bad seed, anyways, to begin with. But still, he wasn't a genetic serial killer, which makes no sense for Sam seeing a ghost of Billy Loomis and worried that she's going to be a genetic super serial killer. And then, like, she has this secret serial killer superpower inside of her, and he's just, like, egging her on to use it. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Yeah, and it's it's just, when you have a character deliver a monologue saying that, I tried every drug imaginable, I left everything, and I was like, oh my god, is this days of our lives over here? The, the dialogue was, it was pretty cheese. But, so my biggest con with the film is the accuracy of Ghostface... Um, depending on which killer it was, when Ghostface was attacking people. So you have Amber, and you have Jack Quaid's character. I can't remember his name. Um, the boyfriend of Sam. The boyfriend. And now, so Ghostface, it should, I mean, like, so with the the last scream, you could tell on second watchings which which Ghostface was Emma Roberts because she's, uh, some, she's a petite girl. So you can tell, oh, that's definitely got to be the Emma Roberts Ghostface as opposed to the guy who's much larger than her. But in this film... All of the Ghostface ca- scenes, all every time Ghostface attacks someone, he's like 6'2". Most notably, Dewey's death. Dewey finally dies in this film. And the way Ghostface kills him is, first Ghostface gets shot three times in the chest, but they're willing, wearing a bulletproof vest. And then Ghostface stabs Dewey um, in the back and in the stomach, and then lifts him up with the knives, tearing through his body. You, When you see that scene, then you were, you were like, you whispered to me, oh, it's got to be the jock boy, the jock uh, twin, because the guy's tall and strong and fit um, to be able to lift up a guy who weighs at least 210 pounds in, in um, Dewey. Okay, this ghost face is very physically strong, like the strongest one we've seen so far ever in a, in a Scream movie. And then and then at the end, it's, it's revealed that that was Amber, that really took takes me out of like, come on, you're not even trying to, to fool us. In in the overly meta aspect of it, like 
they're constantly playing with it. They're constantly throwing it in your face, which, again, it's overwhelming, and especially at the end where these two kids who are going to do the same exact murder. The movie is the same exact plot, basically, as the first one almost, and then kind of mixed with the second one, or the third one, I mean, where they want to yeah. make a movie. yeah. They didn't learn from the mistakes that the same things happen, like someone escapes the closet. They're excited it, as each step is happening, but then they're like, didn't you, I thought you were obsessed with the stab movies. All these things went wrong for the characters. You should know that that you shouldn't be trying to stage the bodies like this. Just shoot yeah. everybody in the head and just yeah. run away. Like yeah. That's what you really want to do because they say they're giving the movie more new source material, but it's the same exact story. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Scream. And I know they're trying to play with it in a meta aspect, but it just doesn't work for me. And I know what they're doing. I understand they're trying to be like, oh, this is what the soft reboots are doing in Hollywood. The requills. Yeah, and that's that's a good that's a valid point. But you know, at least Star Wars The Force Awakens was still very entertaining. But the way they're doing it, it's like, yeah, Hollywood's doing it and we're doing it too, but it's funny because we're acknowledging it, but you're still doing it and it does it's not yeah. working. Yeah, whereas like Force Awakens which is what they were alluding to more than anything, talking about the legacy characters coming back. I mean, obviously, Force Awakens is just a, a carbon copy of A New Hope, but still, it was a fun time. And it was entertaining, had great um, new things. great action, fun new characters. Like, they brought a lot of new, to, new things to it while still basically copying the original. Whereas this Scream, I know they're like, oh, we're doing it too. But, like, it's not entertaining, and it wasn't fun at all. Yeah, I, again, I wasn't scared. I, it was it was kind of funny. There were some funny lines here and there, but there were a lot of jokes that missed for me. And, you know, I just was really let down. <laughs> I really was. I, was. I wasn't that let down because I didn't have high expectations. I, I had high expectations, and I, I love Scream, man. I love Scream. <laughs> so I was, I was pretty let down. Yeah, but, I mean, this is just our opinion. I'm sure if you're a super fan of Scream, you're going to like this movie a lot. Yeah, I mean, it has yeah. all the elements of the Scream movie. So, like, if you want to watch, basically, it's basically a remake of Scream, yeah. the first one. Yeah. Which is why I, don't, I think they didn't call it Scream 5. Yeah, it's a requel, they said. Man. Anyways. <laughs> That was Scream. I don't think... Uh, so far, we have Matrix Resurrections and now Scream 5, and then... Uh, oh, man. Hopefully, there's no more requels coming out this year. I, I, I can't do the requels, man. <laughs> I, can't do, I can't do them anymore. Yeah. That's a good name, requel. Yeah. Well, I think Soft Reboot is more accurate. Yeah. Alora. Well, I mean... But I would give the MVP of this movie to Jenna Ortega. Yeah. She was, she was the standout by far. The girl who played Randy's niece was also really good, too. Yeah. She was she was really funny. Everyone else was like I that. think she had like the most confidence in charisma on She's camera. She's very for funny. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um overall, <laughs> you know, I said three stabs out of out of ten stabs <laughs> for me. What do you give it out of ten? I give it uh three and a half stabs. So you have to use it three and a half stabs. Uh, three stabs and a twist. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can easily walk from afterwards, apparently. <laughs> Watching Scream. You can leave the theater no problem after a stab twist in your throat. Everyone gets stabbed in the stomach. It is totally fine. <laughs> totally fine, apparently. <laughs> My God. That should be like, people are like not going to get afraid to get stabbed anymore. It's like, they seem yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. They just wrapped it with bandage. It's fine. It's fine. She's going to be She's gonna be fine. Literally, she, they wrap it with an ace bandage. Yeah, she's, she's like, good. She's walking around the Standing crime scene up, like, no like, problem. Don't worry, man. Give I would, I would, give you, everyone a high five. How fives. is she conscious? How is anyone conscious in this movie? It's like when you watch Mad Men and they all drink like whiskey at 11 a.m. How is the next scene like not everyone <laughs> How dead? are they not shit-faced? <laughs> have you ever day drank at like tw- noon? Yeah. I'm dead at three. Yeah. Dead. It wipes you out. Let alone getting stabbed in the stomach where I would literally be dead. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> We recommend you watch the original. The original is a lot yeah. more fun. Yeah. But, you know, we can't stop Hollywood from doing this stuff, so. 
Can't wait for Scream 6 or 2. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be. We couldn't be nice. We had to be honest. Yeah. We, we got to give you our honest opinions. All right, everybody. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this mini review of Scream. Hello, Sydney. Hello, Sydney. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.